tell, tell us about Russia. And it, amen. Bless the Lord. Yeah, I'm soaked. It got sweaty. Now, I want to tag on real quick just to what Eric said about the uh, the Bible study with purity. If you're married, don't just send your husband. Okay? I have, I've, there's the book, and everybody's heard of Every Man's Battle. While I understand the name of the title, the title is not truth. Okay? If you're married, it's your battle too. It's not just your husband's battle. It's both of you together because you're one. Your team, so come with him so you can understand what pornography has done and gotten into you and got into this area of your life. But what we're also going to do is it's going to become real. There'll be question answer time, and you're going to get uh, real marriage bedroom talk. Okay? So don't just stay away because it's purity and single women need to be pure or men who are single need to be pure or well, we're married and my husband dealt with pornography, so I'm just going to send him. No, both of you come, and it'll be good for everyone. Amen? All right, I'm going to start out with some scripture here. Again, thank you for helping support my trip and get me there. I'm going to try to keep this brief so Shelly has some time as well. Um, but again, it, like Eric has been saying and he's been preaching on, it's time. And every decision you make whether you decide to obey or you decide to disobey affects people you know, it affects you, it affects your family, and it affects people you don't know. Amen? So, how this starts out for me was I'm going to read a scripture in Genesis. All right, I'm going to read out Genesis chapter 11. We're going to start with verse 27. Now, these are the descendants of Terah. Terah fathered Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered lot haran died in the presence of the father of his father terah in the land of his kindred in ur of the chaldeans and abraham and nahor took wives the name of abram's wife was sarah and the name of nahor's wife was um malchai it looks like malachi but that ain't it the daughter of haran and the father of Mal malchai and iska now sarai was barren she had no child then, or Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, what does this have to do with Russia? Abraham, we're, we've got a very quick little snidbit of Abraham's dad who left someplace, who picked up his family and headed to the land of Canaan, the promised land, right? But he stopped somewhere along the way. Now, that I looked up the name. The actual name Terah means to delay, and it's also a town in Israel or somewhere close to Israel, where during the 40 years of going around the wilderness, the children of Israel stopped there. So the children of Israel, God's people, stopped at a place named after Abraham's dad, where Abraham stopped pursuing 
going to the land of Canaan, the promised land. He never made it. He stopped, and that's also in Haran, which is also the place, or yeah, which is also the place where his son died, possibly the promise. Why do I bring this up? Over 40 years ago, my dad had an opportunity. My dad said that when he was 16 years old, he was called to Africa, but he did not go. My dad made a choice. My dad made a choice not to go to Africa and heed to a call from the Lord. So some 40 years later, his son gets a call to go to Russia. Russia has a republic called Kalmykia. In Kalmykia, that's where I went, but we got to Kalmykia. We got to Russia through two South African women named Erica and Marinda. I had a choice, not only just to clean up my life and do things different, but God, I believe, gave my dad an opportunity, gave him a promise. My dad stopped, disobeyed, which affected him. It affected me, possibly affected Kalmykia because he didn't go to Africa. Had he went to Africa, maybe he would have met someone and they went to this unreached people group years ago where now his son is going 40 years later instead of going to another people group, someone that I don't know. So we all have a choice and it's time to do something about it. So why did I go to Russia? I mean, it was fun. It was cool. I wanted to. I feel called to it. But it's more because I care more about whether or not I obey God, even though I mess it up sometimes, than I do whether or not I get to travel and go to these cool places. It's more about obedience, and through my obedience, even if you read uh, Psalms chapter uh, 112, there's several lines in there that talk about how your children are affected, and other people are affected by your obedience. Amen? So that's why I went, because I felt compelled. I had a dream. I was supposed to go. Like I had a natural dream. So I went. And now my kids don't have to stop in the next 40 years at a place named after their dad because he delayed something. Amen? So what happened in Russia? Man, a lot of great things. Um, I've learned a couple things about short-term missions. While we were praying before we left, uh, Tom had mentioned how he shared when he goes on short-term mission, he got this revelation of it's about really pouring into the people who are there all the time. So he spoke that word over me as we're going there, and I'm realizing, all right, so when I get there, not only am I going to get to minister to other people, but I'm ministering to the people who are there all the time, who need a fresh drink of water. Amen? So we get there. I'm looking for some notes here, so be patient with me that I wrote down. Um we get there, there's all kinds of uh, things planned. They get planned, and then they get changed. It's not super structured, is it, Shelley? <laughs> but anyway, um, it was interesting how the atmosphere has changed. So when I went to Kalmykia over three years ago, and then Shelley went this past year, when I went there, it wasn't as dark. Now, I don't know how else to explain it, except, you know, when you're somewhere and you're like, eh, this doesn't feel right. That was the feeling when we first went. But when we went in this second time, it felt totally different. 
It felt, and you could tell that light had come in, that there was some hope in the Kalmykian people, that there was hope in Pastor Velodia. Pastor Velodia is a great guy, but he's kind of a hard guy to get close to. But it's because he's been hurt by other missionaries who've came in. And they come in and they leave and they don't ever come back. We've been able to, through Johnny and through what he's doing, be able to establish a long-term presence. So even there was this connection between Pastor Velodia that helped. That while I was there, he opened up a four-hour session to just sit down with his worship team to talk about worship and equip, which I've gotten all of that from Tom, who's equipped me. So when I go somewhere and the door opens, I got to uh, not exactly equip a worship team, but a fire hydrant them, as Shelley says, with all this information to where now these people have said, well, when you come back, if you do, which I plan on hopefully next October, they want a worship seminar. So they want to be taught how to worship the Lord and what that means, and they want to usher in something. And even though the communication gap was weird, one guy pops up and says, uh, Don Potter? You know, no Don Potter? I'm like, well, yeah, I have decided, I have decided to boom, get online, look up some Don Potter stuff. It is good, powerful, prophetic worship. And they're moving from this point of we just don't want to sing songs. We want to sing about him to him and get into worship that brings the people in. So that's just a little extra that we get to go to now that they're wanting what this church not what Mike has, not what Tom has. They want what God has deposited here in another country. That's good stuff. So we have that. We didn't get to evangelize much because the laws have changed. So Yeta and Sveta and Yuri, who are the long-term missionaries who are there from Russia. They live in Russia. They live in Kalmykia now. Uh, both have amazing stories from drug addiction to just, man, different things that have went on in their life, and they feel called to these people. So they're there all the time, and they've made these connections with the universities there, the colleges. So what are we doing here? We're going into schools. And we're praying. We're connected to the schools. We go over to Kalmykia, and they're like, could you come to the schools and talk to the teachers? I'm like, well, yes, let's go. The teachers are wanting to talk to teams that come in and to Sveta and Yuri about the Bible because it's English. Whatever. We can go with that. All right. God will use the fact that the Bible is in English so they can get together for two hours every week and have tea and talk English and talk about the Bible because now they're wanting to know more. Well, what about this God? Well, what about these stories in the Bible? And we get to share that. So we don't even have to go out and evangelize. We got there and it was a steady flow of people coming in and out. These teachers, these Kalmyk women who are mainly all, all the women there are mainly teachers. They're asking questions. They're coming in. They, you just start eating. And one interesting question that I got that again we got to share because of all the teaching and studies that happen here. This one Kalmyk teacher who's 70 years old says, so uh, how you discipline your children? Huh? Do you really want to know? Oh, yeah, do you beat them? No. <laughs> Occasionally, they still get a good butt smacking. But 
we offer choices. We encourage how do we teach freedom and how to, and it's just like Andrea said, Americans, when we go to other countries, we carry this spirit of freedom. They were intrigued and wanted to know, well, how do you teach this freedom to your kids without controlling them? Wow, what did we learn here? Loving your kids on purpose, Danny Silk, keep your level, all that stuff just gets to pour out from here over there because of what God has done in this place. I was just a representation. So we got to talk about kids and how to change the way they discipline. What really brought it up was I got to do a, a seminar on the Father's blessing. I'm going to read a letter that I got on that. But during that seminar, I started talking about our choice of words and what blessing means. And that the Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. So we got to say that. And I, I taught a little bit on the difference of punishment and discipline. And when I said that, you could feel the room change. Huh, there's a difference? Which, again, the next day was when we got to meet with the teachers, and the teachers start asking these questions. Again, what's going on here is important on a worldwide basis, okay? So we got to talk about that. There was many people that came up during the seminar that got prayer that never heard of how to bless children. It was just a totally different uh, outlook. Because for them, most of the time, it's about control. If they don't decide to have kids, the number one way they birth control is abortion and then the men if they're around are alcoholics so I got to share my testimony with some of these men on how to make a choice to be different to not fall into the same patterns as your father that you can quit drinking and you can change your life and even if your kids hate you which some of these men their kids didn't even want to be around them well that's okay you can still pray from where you're at and bless your children so these men start to get this um, revelation and women because a lot of women came to this because they had never been blessed by their fathers so we did father's blessing me and Johnny over I don't know probably 30 or 40 people so here is a letter did my wife read the letter okay give me a second while I find it here there was one lady who was a teacher and she came and here, I'll go this way. I didn't know her story, but she sat in the front row. She watched everything. And then she comes up for prayer. So we, we do prayer. And then later, she gives me this note. Now, one of the things I noticed, too, was while there, and Shelly probably picked up on this, is that that culture is a high culture of honor. They honor the men and women of the gospel. And not only that, they honor each other. There was, even within, is that it right there? No. Even within the school system, there is this thing where, um, I cannot find it. There's this thing where even the young adults will honor the people and the teachers and the authority and the old people, there's no real dishonor of even old people. I watched people in these little buses as women and old people would get in. Young people would get up, give their seats, stand in cramped areas. There is a, they really have a sense of honor. Come on now. And I can't find it. So I'm not going to get to read a letter to you. 
But anyway, she talked about how her husband had died when she was pregnant. I believe she was seven months pregnant. So she was mad at God. She was angry at God. And when she came home, she had nothing to come home to but her other kid and this new baby. And for several years had pleaded and talked to God, what can I do to give to my children who are missing something? And in this letter, she talks about how now I know that I can bless my children even though their father is not pleasant and I don't have to act like their dad. I don't have to take the place of their dad because God says I will be a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless. So there was some freedom even brought in that. We spent several hours praying for people. So we would go, we would eat, and they would have people lined up in the foyer area. So after we got done eating, they were coming for prophetic prayer and healing prayer. So you would eat, pray for two or three hours, take a 30-minute nap, eat again, more people would be ready to show up. And this went on pretty much the whole time. Now, the Sunday service was pretty amazing because we got there. They asked me to help with worship, so I got to play. So from 10 o'clock, I was there for practice. We practice church started at 11 we had worship i got to share in the word there was another guy there i helped him as well he got to share a little bit we took a 20 minute break because they fed people at the salvation army church and then after that we got into hearing the voice of the lord because johnny taught a two-day seminar on hearing the heart of the father and then i spent three hours equipping these Kalmyk people on how to hear the voice of the Lord, and they just start prophesying over each other, doing all the exercises, learning how to minister to themselves. And then they take us and they say, we have people to pray you to pray for. Okay, so they put us in this corner room, shut the door till about 6.30, and they kept bringing people in. So from 10 to 6.30, with about a 15 to 20-minute break, we're in there at this church just praying for people who are hungry. Right, who are hungry. One of the things that touched my heart is there was a group of people that came eight and a half hours away just to receive prayer because they knew that God was doing something, not just because it was me or Johnny or a team, but they got word God was sending some people to them. And here we sit in a church that's only got about 40% of the people in it, and they live 10 minutes away. But in other countries, people are going eight and a half hours to hear God speak something, to spend time with people who have been with God and spent time with the Lord. It will change your, 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 your perspective. And we need to be praying for people here about that. We got to see one guy come in, and he was beating his wife. He said he kind of knew the Lord, so we just said, look, uh, why don't you just give it all to God and let's get changed? He prays. I don't lead him through no sinner's prayer. I just said, here's Jesus. You tell him what you're sorry for. Repentance falls in the room. He pours his heart out. And I'm telling you, it was the next day, 24 hours later, he looked like a different person. People in the church were saying, I can't believe that that's you because you look so different. It was the power of God through salvation and the word. I'm getting ready to wrap up. I know there, it's hard to kind of wrap it all into one. Um, but one 
of probably my favorite stories. Okay, I got people driving eight and a half hours. Oh, we're getting ready to talk about that. Uh, Pastor Velodia was the one that at the end of the seminar came up and said, I want Johnny and Mike to give to me a double portion of what God has put on them. And it even changed him. And he's, he's a hard guy. <laughs> I mean, he's a big Russian dude, you know. Yeah, he's kind of scary looking. But then after that, he's got a sauna somewhere that he just took us and we all chilled out in the like 212 degree hot sauna. But see, their culture is when you come to give them something, they've got this thing down of where in the Old Testament, kings gave gift to kings. It's not I'm giving you something out of need. It's because you're a king and I'm a king. So I'm going to give you something. I mean, it was, I've never been to a place where you, you spend so much time praying, prophesying, seeing things done. They come back the next gay, next gay, <laughs> next day with gifts. They want to give you something because they realize the gift of God and what is going on. God is, God is good, guys. And I'm telling you, it's, it's a big change. The Salvation Army, uh, I prophesied over them that they were going to be getting another church in another building. And what they told me later was that the Salvation Army had already bought another building and they were getting ready to move them because it's so tiny. But see, they're funded by the Salvation Army, so they're not as scary. So the Salvation Army, and they'll let them go out into the streets and do things and bring kids in. So it's growing. There's going to be more fruit from that. So my favorite story, and if nothing happened but, excuse me, sitting and praying for hours over nobody, this one story has probably affected me the most. And I hope that you guys grasp the fact of, of this lady receiving salvation. She's like 42 or 43 years old. She comes by night. For several years, she's been having back pain and leg pain. She lives with this girl who was an alcoholic that through the warm house got saved, got delivered. She moved out and now has got this friend who was an active Buddhist who had been going to Buddhist temples. She'd actually went and drank water that had been blessed, they said, but cursed by a witch doctor. So she drinks this. She's come in and she's like, I still have so much pain. My friend says I need to come here. I don't know what to do, you know, interpreting all this. And she's in... I'm just crazy pain. It's like midnight. Nobody really went, but we're like, we didn't come here to sleep. We came here to see God do something amazing. So she comes in, and she's already ready. She's already primed. She's tried several other ways, and she goes, okay, you pray for me. So she stands up. Go ahead and stand up. It, and you're going to see a video of, of part of this that just blesses my soul. So she, she turns around. Of course, you do the thing, because every time we did something, we equipped we just didn't say, here, watch what we do. We said, here, watch, and now you do. So I started out, and I got to say, can I touch you? And she said, yes. Yeah. So I put my hand right on her back. Yes, thank you. And all I did was prayed, God, would you touch this lady's back? And may she feel the warmth of your love from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. And she melted. And she cried, and she pulled back, and she, she's got these tears in her eyes. She can sit down. And so I said, well, what's going on? And I'm telling you, just what little bit you could feel here, intensify that in a little bitty room. It was like the weight of a wedding gown that falls down on you, man. It was intense. 
She goes, my back, the pain is gone. She felt heat all the way up and down her body. And she, and then, without any prompting, she goes, but this feels different. And I'm like, oh, you know, I can't even talk in the room by now. I just sit down. And the lady who lives there, the, the Sveta, she's like, uh, we need to ask her to have Jesus in her heart right now. <laughs> so we said, I said, go for it. You know, so she spends this, this 10 minutes of talking back and forth, and you needed no interpreter, but all you felt was the love that God had for this one person who decided to make a choice to change her family tree, and she received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now I want you to watch this video. Can you play it? Because here's what you're watching somewhere, and then Shelly's going to get up. This is her. She's reading the Word of God for the very first time. She's reading the 23rd Psalm. Now wait, look at the smile on her face. Been to Buddhist temples, witch doctors, shaman, and had never experienced anything like when she felt Jesus touch her heart and when she read the Bible. 42, 43 years old reading the Bible for the first time. This is like watching your child be born. And I know the video doesn't compare, but if you could have been in the room, 
to listen to the words come out of her mouth for the first time. As fathers and mothers, do you remember the first time your kid spoke your name? It was the same sweetness. So if it's just that one lady, that one lady made a choice. And she's, gonna, she's in a place that there's all kinds of people to continue to equip her, to pursue God. That's where when the next time we go, I can't wait to see what she's doing and what she's going through and what the Lord's doing in her life because of a choice. So thank you for sending me. If you want more stories, I have more, some great things that happened. But thank you for helping bless the trip, for believing in me. And thank you for all the classes, okay? All the Bible studies, they're important because you will need them. And you will be called upon sometime in your life to share what you get in this house. Amen. Amen. Woo. So, um, yes, I'm, I'm with Mike. I am so grateful to this body that is so um, generous. I mean, just so generous to um, to give the way you did. It was just amazing. All of my needs were met, even down to a suitcase and a friend who gave me clothing and backpack and money. And I mean, it was just it was just amazing. God's provision for this trip, and so um, it was just awesome. Uh, so I went to a different part of Russia. Um, I went to a place called Samara, a city called Samara, and I think it's. Um, Three million people, something like that. It's a very large city. So Mike went to Kalmykia, where it's mostly Buddhists. Um, where I went was um, just in like the the regular part of Russia, um, in Samara, where um, it's not a Buddhist area, um, but they are. There's not many that are saved. About thirty percent of the population is um, Orthodox. Um, Christian, it's like the Russian Christian Orthodox, but only about three percent are evangelical Christians or spirit-filled Christians that are that are there. And so we came to support that church. And um, I was invited to come to share um, a two-session seminar on sexual purity, um, on shame, and and kind of my testimony of how what God did in my life and how God has brought me through um, different things. And so um, I flew over by myself which was a journey in itself. <laughs> that was, whew. Um, but I'll get, I'll talk about more about that later. But that was, that was just very interesting. And if you want to talk about facing your fears um, for the sake of the gospel, that was definitely one of them for sure. Um, but it was awesome because God blessed me and I sat next to this Russian man on the way there and I, I posted this on Facebook, but it was the sweetest thing because um, I, I sat down and, you know, you're crammed on this airplane and it's a little bitty and, you know, you have no room and you're just like, and I've got these two Russian speaking people on both sides. And so I'm like, okay, well, eight hours of like no conversation, you know, but all of a sudden um, this man over here he starts talking to me in very very broken English and I can barely understand him and but but it was the sweetest thing so finally he looks up and he says my God is Christus and I was like my God is Christus my God is Christus oh my God is Christus I said mine too and he was like so instantly we were connected and somehow through the language barrier I was able to understand what he was saying he was talking about his family and about Russia and about um you know just the people that are there that are broken that need Jesus and you know and and all this and I think he was telling me about the war and something about Germany and I I don't I don't know at all but anyway but he knew Pastor Velodia 
which is where Mike was, which is where I was there before. I mean, he knew about all kinds of, it was, I was like, seriously, Lord, do you guys know how big Russia is? Like, do you know how big that thing is? The fact that he knew somebody that I knew, that is a miracle. That was God ordained. That was something else. And so, oh, he was precious. He was just this, oh, it was just great. So anyway, so that was my first little kiss from the Lord that just blessed my soul. Um, and then the people that I met once I got to Samara, I, there was actually another uh, missionary from Israel. Actually, she's from Minnesota, who it, has been in Israel for 10 years, who was staying at the same place that I was. And she was a 20-year-older version of me. It started getting creepy how much we were alike and how, I mean, to the point where I was joking with her because I was like, I was getting ready to speak at my seminar and I was like, these notes are pitiful. I can't believe this. You know, I typed them all out and made them really nice. And then, of course, the Lord and me and my little different colored pens, and I'm writing and all this stuff, and I'm like, look at this. Isn't this pitiful? And she goes, no. She pulls out her notes, and they're all scribbled up just like mine. It was just cute, you know, and um, so anyway, so that that was a blessing, and, and um, you know, just different people that I met there that were awesome um, that just blessed my heart, but, um, but, you know, there was a reason I was there. There was a purpose I was there, and um, the purpose was to help free um just like, you know, just like America, there's brokenness there, and they need help. And the Christians that are there, I'm telling you guys, you might think you, like, pour your life out for Jesus. Listen to me. We don't. We don't. We're a selfish culture, and I don't mean that mean. I don't mean, I am, like, the most encouraging person ever. I, I, but listen to me, you guys. We are. We're a selfish culture. We just are. And, um, and they, the ones who get it, the ones who love Jesus, you guys, they pour out their lives. There, there was more than one person there that I, I think there were four on this trip that I met that, that no, five, five, that had committed their lives, a life of singleness to pour out the gospel just, just to be, just to go around and be a missionary. And, um, and I didn't meet that many people. You know, it, I just, they pour out their lives. They pour out their lives. Um, but I guess in, the shortage would be um, that there's not a lot of teaching on how to heal. You know, there's a lot of teaching on pouring out, serving, serving sacrificially. There's a lot of that. Um, but there's not a lot about how do I, how do I heal my messed upness? You know, how do I how do I fix this to help me be more productive for the Lord? Um, whereas I think that almost the American church, you know, there's a balance. It's like there's two sides of the, to the coin. We have to heal ourselves for sure. And we have to serve sacrificially. You have to do both. But if you lean too heavy on either side, you know, you're going to be imbalanced. You have to have both sides of the coin. And so there they are pouring themselves out to the point where they're just empty. And there's not a lot of teaching or understanding on how to heal. Whereas in America, I think sometimes we can just bask in the glory of our healing, you know, oh, yes, it's all about me and what Lord wants to do in me and how to make my life better and how to be more prosperous. There's not a whole lot of serve sacrificially. Hey, you got your healing for a reason. You know, you're healed so that you serve. You're, you're made whole so that you pour your life out. You're given your life. You sacrifice your life for the Lord and he gives it back to you. You know, there has to be this balance that happens. Whereas in America, we're a little bit fat with it. We're a little bit like, oh, it's all about me. It's all about getting fixed. And Jesus just wants me to live this happy life. And yeah, he does. But he wants you to live a happy life serving and pouring it out to the point of like it hurts, you know. So I was so convicted of that when I was there. I was just like, oh, okay, so. 
So I go there, and um, so the purpose the first night was um, me sharing my testimony of um, what God brought me out of, and I don't know, most of you know, it was just a lot of drug addiction and sexual impurity. I lived a life of homosexuality. I experienced abortion. There was all these things that happened to me before I got saved and how God delivered me of that. And the biggest significance of being delivered was when God freed me from shame. And um, there's a lot of things I learned from Brene Brown and RTF and things like that that I brought with me there. Um, but I, the first seminar was about how um, we're all made for connection, which is keep your love on. We are made for connection. We're made to connect with each other. We're made to connect with God. We are made for intimacy and connection. And when those things are not fulfilled, when those things are not met as a child or as an adult through trauma or whatever it was, when those things aren't met, it leaves us with a feeling that we're broken somehow, that there's something wrong with us. And that right there is shame. And that shame begins to just squeeze us and motivate our whole lives. And it leaves us looking for connection and looking for value everywhere we go. And so it starts with people pleasing. And, you know, I, I can't say no or I have to, you know, I, I have to seek and find. Somebody tell me I'm valuable. Somebody give me value somewhere and somehow, some way. And so, um, you know, sometimes it can be harmless, like shopping or, you know, whatever, but we begin to adapt to these behaviors that try to fill, make us feel valuable. And that's when most of us are led into sexual sin. I need you to tell me I'm valuable. Please tell me I'm valuable. Show me, show me that I have value, and that's how we get led into it. And then shame, so the devil causes you to sin by making you feel bad about yourself. Then you sin. Then you feel bad about yourself because of your sin. Like, it's this trick. And it keeps you in it, in, in this looped cycle. And so that's what, that night, that's what I talked about. And I talked about how God, you know, wants to free us from that shame. And he doesn't want us keep, kept in that loop of perpetual cycle. And how, you know, God has something to say about who we are. You know, that we are sons and daughters of the king. And that we are valuable. And God did make us for a reason. And so, um, oh, it was so powerful. And um, so afterwards, we, you know, just had a time. And, and I will tell you. Number one, I had so much peace when I was teaching. I was covered with peace, even though it was really chaotic. Like, we almost had to change rooms because the room that we had, so the chaos, the, you know, there was, uh, oh, this room is supposed to be for the worship team tonight. And, you know, but I had, this room was packed, you guys. It was, there were probably 45 people there the first night, and there were not 45 seats in that place. <laughs> it was like, it was a teeny tiny room. And then we were going to have to move to a smaller room. And, but I had peace. I had peace the whole time. I'm like, mm, no, God sent me here for a reason. I know what I'm about to do. And I know that the enemy does not want his people free of shame because when we get free from shame is when we really know who we are. And when we know who we are, then we really do what we've been called to do. And so I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not afraid. I'm not scared. So it ends up that the, they, they ended up canceling their worship practice. Sorry about that. But, um, so that we could stay in this room. And, um, and so afterwards, it was person after person after person. And there were, there were older people. There was some kind of gap between the communication with the younger crowd. But there were a few younger people, and there were men in there, which I was like, yes. Because, and they were like, the whole time, I mean, just eyes like, and taking notes. And they're so hungry. They want healing so desperately bad. And so they would come up. And so one of the things specifically that I really, really believe that God um, wanted to bring freedom from was, um, was from those who had had abortion, because, you know, in America, it's one in three. And it, one in three women have had abortion in America. One in three. And, um, and I think the statistic is higher in Russia. And so um, 
I felt like the Lord really wanted to bring deliverance from that and um, to bring healing from um, women with sexually transmitted diseases. <laughs> One in two people who are sexually active have a sexually have had or have a sexually transmitted disease. One in two have battled with it at one point in time in their life. So I felt like God wanted to bring healing to those things in particular because those things are things that nobody talks about because it's shame. Shame wants to keep it a secret. And number two, I was like, you know, I'm the bull in the china shop. I'm like, well, I'll talk about all those things nobody wants to talk about. <laughs> and so anyway, and so, but it happened. You guys, it happened. There were women that came up and said, you lived my life, number one. Number two, I need healing from this disease that I got because my husband cheated on me. Or, you know, this and that. And it was like, and it happened. You guys, it was amazing. It was just so beautiful. And um, Johnny... Um, and his um, guy Jeremiah were over there praying for their group, and I was praying over here for my group, and it was just, whew. So night number one was just amazing. You know, God did amazing things. There were um, just people healed in tears, and, and it was just awesome. So the next night um, was, um, I went into, uh, there's just kind of been a new revelation. I won't go into the whole thing, but a new revelation that God's given me about control and about how, um, um, that when we feel shame, you know, then we are afraid that someone's going to find out. This, this all came from RTF, but, you know, when you feel shame and you feel bad about who you are, well, then you're afraid that people are going to find out, oh, what if somebody knows that there's something wrong with me? You know, I've got to hide it somehow. And how when we, when we operate in fear, then we operate, then we invite control because control comes along and says, I will make sure that no one finds out how broken you are. I will operate so that you can stay safe in your hidden whatever. And so anyway, so, so that part, the control is what God's given me the most recent revelation about and about. He's got me in the book of Kings studying um, Jezebel and Ahab and Baal worship and Elijah and all these things. And uh, uh, you, woo, it's like my mind's blown about it. If you want to know about it, ask me. But so <laughs> um, we talked about that that night. The, the second night was, was about how Baal worship, Baal, I'll, give a little bitty brief. Baal was the God of fertility. And so, um, the God of instant gratification and they would do sexual sacrifices to the God of Baal in order to bring the rain and, you know, all these things. So, um, but it was wanting ease, wanting things to be easy. Um, and, and we do that in modern day, you know, now we have our own Baal worship and Baal worship is, um, anything any sacrifices we make to bring instant fruitfulness rather than waiting on the seasons of God. You know, like, like I want to I wanna jump into an anointed ministry without having to go through the desert like Jesus did. You know, I want, I want instant gratification. I want, I want this thing over here, so I'm going to go in debt for it instead of saving. I'm gonna, I, you know, instant gratification is what we do in America, right? And we do that everywhere. It's really, it's just, the, it's, it's like our nature. So anyway, so... I'm out of breath. So anyway, that was basically the second um, session was um, was about how there are spirits that we cooperate with when it comes to control and how that leads us into sexual sin, keeps us in sexual sin, uh, or any type of sin. And um, so the second night, I mean, they were, again, like, eyes like this, you know, and taking notes and tears and um, just how even suicidal tendencies come with, with this thing and and so the the second night was I prayed for a woman who was like I've been having suicidal thoughts for two years and she's just weeping and so I pray with her and she surrenders it all and she repents and God just brings I mean 
just a, a sweet peace and a healing to her heart. And there was a man who had eyes glued on me the whole time, the both sessions, because like I said, the men who were there the first night, they came back the second night. And I was like, yes. And so um, there was this man and he's like, I'm so broken right now. I'm so, uh, my, my, I've lost my job and I've, you know, I've had all these things that are, that have happened to me and, and I'm so depressed and I'm so sad. And anyway, the Lord just gave me a word for him about ideas for business and creativity and inventions. And I'm like, you have that, right? And he's like, I do. And I was like, but you've been afraid. And he's like, yes. So I'm like, you know, God wants you to do that. And so anyway, so um, he's like, and I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit before. I, I just haven't been a- ever been able to. I was like, well, God's doing it tonight, you know. And so, and he did. He received his prayer language. And so it was just story after story. But the coolest part is that, um, is that they do like to bless you with gifts and foods. But, but in all the years that Johnny's been coming, he said he's never seen them take up an offering. Well, why, while I was like for a monetary offering and while I was praying, just like what happened, um, while I was praying for people, I didn't even know this happened. They took up an offering for me and they were like money. They hand me this bag of money when it's over with. And there were 3,900 rubles, which is about $69 American dollars that they took up an offering. And I was like, Lord, that was just such a kiss to my heart. I was like, I was like, I, I ended up sewing it into someone else. Cause I just, you know, I just was like, I can't, I this isn't mine, you know, and so I, I sewed it into another ministry there, but, um, but it was just a sweet kiss about provision, you know, about how God does provide, and he, it was just, it was a blessing, and so there were lots of people that I prayed for while we were there, and we prophesied over, and we built up the people, the team that was there, and um, anyway, it was just amazing, so I think I, I think I covered all that, but um, so I just want to encourage you guys, because I really want to fit this into, just very quickly, um, what it means to, when we talk about it's time, when Eric's talking about it's time, it's time, it's time. Um, it really is time, you know? Like, it's time to stop wasting your trials. Do you know that your trials are there for a reason? They really are. They really, really are. There's a reason why James says to count it all joy when you go through your trials, because that trial right there is what's going to make you perfect and complete and not lacking anything. If you whine and complain and lay back in despair and you ask God, why am I going through it? If you do that, you've wasted that trial and you are not becoming perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. And I say all that to say this. Do you guys know where I was 15 years ago? It was bad. Do you know where I was seven years ago? I, let's just talk about the miracle of God. I was called to go on a mission trip about eight years ago to Thailand, and I knew I was supposed to go, knew I was supposed to go. I had two fears. Number one, being on an airplane for like 12 hours. I was like, no stinking way. Number two, I didn't think God would provide for me. Those are my two fears. And I let that keep me from going. I absolutely let that keep me from going. And um, here's some other fears that I had. I had almost like a death fear of public speaking once upon a time in my life, if you can believe that. I mean, like, I thought I would literally, like, die if I had to speak publicly. Um, I had a fear of revealing my brokenness. 
of people knowing my junk, of people knowing how messed up I was. I had a fear of people knowing that. And so I look back, even since I've been saved, and I look back to every trial that I've been through. I mean, every one of them, one that I think isn't even related to going to Russia, you know, or, or doing whatever. And I go, it is. Like, it is. You think that the trial that you're going through is all about what you're going through, and it is not. It's about building your muscles. It's about building your faith. It's about teaching you a lesson in the midst of your chaos. Yes, it's all about that. Because if you take your trial, and you really do count it joy, and you really do allow it to perfect you, and you really do allow it to to grow you, that trial will take you to the next level. It really, really will. And it is time to start doing that. It is time to count the trial joy and to not waste it. God will not waste everything that you're going through. He may not be causing it. There are things that happened to me in the last 12 years that I know God did not cause. Okay? But he won't waste it. He will not waste it if you count it joy and you allow it to do its work inside of you. And I have failed miserably over and over and over, but I have also not quit. That's the other thing, is that we just can't quit. And so you're, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to look whatever. But just like what they were saying is the cost is too great. There, it really is. The cost is too great. We only have one life. You know, we're given one life here on this earth. And so... Um, I keep thinking about that as I am about to turn 40. And so, um, <laughs> but there is, there's only one life. And we can't, <gasps> we can't waste what we're going through. You know, we can't waste it. It really is time. It really is time to put, to ask God, what is that thing? What is the thing that you want to deal with right now? What is that thing? And for me, <laughs> it's finishing and you're right. You nailed me. So today I was asking the Lord, what, what, what's the next thing? Cause you never quit. You never stop growing. You never stop growing. You never stop learning. So anyway, so, um, I think I covered it all. Yes. So it's, it's time to overcome your fears. Yeah. Ah, let me just say this last thing. You don't know what you're afraid of until you go to do something scary, okay? I didn't know I was afraid of flying until I was faced with the possibility of being on a plane for 12 hours, right? And then I went, I can't do that. So you have to start taking risks, and you have to start looking at where your fears are. Because sometimes we stay in this little bubble, and we go, we go, oh, I'm not really afraid of anything. I'm just actually, I'm doing things really well. It's like, okay, well, then you're in your comfort zone. It is outside of your comfort zone that you figure out what you're actually afraid of. Because you can stay in your little box, and you can act like everything's fine until you get pressed out of it. It's when you press out of it that you go, ooh, yeah, I need to grow in that area. You know? Okay. So that was all. So... Thank you guys for sending me. It was such a blessing. It was such a blessing, and I'm so honored to be a part of this body. I'm telling you guys, you guys are amazing, and you're wonderful, and this, oh, I'm just excited for everyone to, to, get, to get in their place, you know, to do and to pour out and to be part of who God's called them to be. So, amen. Amen. Thank you, Shelly. Amen. As we close the service, I want to challenge all of us not to run from our trials, just like she did. Where was it that God 
prepared Moses to deliver the children out of Israel. Forty years in the backside of a desert. And how long did he take the children of Israel for 40 years in the desert? It was through the trial of Moses' life that actually made him the man of God that he was created to be. Joseph was 13 years in a jail and in Potiphar's house being prepared through the trial to actually deliver the children of Israel from starvation. Your trial is leading you to the next level. Your trial is the smoke that leads you back to the fire of what God's trying to do in your heart. If you're not identifying what it is that it is time for you to do, all these things that we've been talking about lead us back to what God's trying to do in our hearts. And it's crunch time. Time is of the essence. It's time to poop or get off the pot. It's time. Can I have a witness? And so, Father, today, I thank you for Russia. I thank you, God, that it will never be the same because of two people who are willing to say it was time to go. I thank you even now that our missionary team that is in Mississippi into the rough areas of that city, that God, people are giving their time to go towards you. Bless the Mississippi trip. Bless our missionaries. And even today, God, for all of us here, let us not waste our trial. But let us run to the trial. Let not grief overwhelm people's hearts. But let us run to it. Because, God, you're building a people who are called by your name, who a people, an army, who is rising up in this hour to accomplish your purposes. And so, Father, we embrace our trials, and we say, we will say yes to do what you're calling us to do. We will get freedom in the areas you're wanting us to get free in. We will not quit. But Father, we will submit ourselves to your word in Hebrews 12, 11, that says no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But in time, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it, trained by the trial, trained by the discipline. And we will discipline our hearts to run after you. And so, Father, seal this word. Seal these things in our hearts today. Because, God, we're saying yes. It's time, and we're saying yes to you. So, Father, thank you for the body of Christ. And, Father, as we leave today, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, do me a favor as you're leaving today. Don't forget, sign up for one of those Bible studies 
right now. They're at the Welcome Center. Jesse's going to be manning the Welcome Center. Go out there, sign up. These are part of taking action and getting prepared for what God has for us.